Okay. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. My name is Vivian Aqua, and I am the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. And today is our last, the last episode of Let's Humanize the Workplace for 2022. So what I normally do each year is reflect. I have two amazing guest speakers, which I'll introduce, but first, hot topic, hot topic, hot topic. And that is something happening in the Netherlands. And a lot of people, when they look at the Netherlands, they look at, you know, the Dutch weed, they look at the cheese, they look at the, at the flowers, and also they look at the red light district. I know that these are all progressive things, right? And these are all adding value. But then again, what people um, underestimate is the Netherlands is also a country with people and where people are there are biases everywhere biases positive biases but also negative biases as well so un unconscious biases as well and one of the things that just came out right now and on the Dutch news and I made sure that I found an, an English article is that the Dutch foreign affair you know the ministry that is dealing with other countries right within a relationship they just did a study or they just uh, produced a study or they came out with a study where racism is present. Racism at the front. So they are talking about black people in a negative highlight. They are talking about discrimination of the local embassies where they are discriminating the local people there. And it's such inhumane it's such dehumanizing and i want to bring that you know as a highlight so know that tomorrow morning i will definitely share you know my two cents about about what's happening and also what we can learn from this because i believe that an institution like the dutch foreign affairs should be a role model and should example role model behavior but instead they are exampling how to amplify racism and i want to do that in a strategic way delicate way but i do need to say something about that because it's happening in my own country as well so yes it's one of the reasons why i started doing this work had to do with the isms that i faced and of course i am a black woman where i face racism in different ways and i just want to you know shed shed light on this topic and also want to have a good conversation about what's happening in the Netherlands. So for now, this is all for now. Um, now going back to, you know, today's topic, and that is reflecting on diversity, equity and inclusion 2022. Whereas I have the following guest speakers today. So I have Karen Miller, who is a DEI consultant who believes that embracing diversity and inclusion to create true equal opportunities for each one of us in the only way to grow as a person does as a company. And Johnny Kamara is a coach who empowers leaders to embody their authentic style and create the conditions for individual and team effectiveness. So welcome, everybody. I always ask this question, and I know it's a question that may seem general, but every time that I answer this question, people always answer and surprise me. So I'm hoping to be surprised uh, today as well. Uh, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> but let's let's start with you, Johnny. Um, why do we need to humanize the workplace? Hmm. It is a good question, because I think there's different ways to actually come at it. I think there's uh, like the business case and there's also the, the human case. When I think we 
when I when I talk about like humanizing the workplace, what I mean is really trying to get people to bring their best selves to work. I really see that work can be a, a pathway for us to grow and develop as individuals, address some of our uh, biases, um, our limiting beliefs, and actually work through them and achieve much more than we ever could before. Um, so I think I think that's also the human case, but from a business perspective as well, uh, I really believe that if we can help people feel more more safe at work, uh, then they will show up more authentically. And I think this is a key thing for us to create like psychological safety, which mm-hmm. is a key um, it's a key ingredient to create more creativity as a whole, right? Um, so I, th- I think there's a lot of research out there as well that shows that um, people who feel more psychologically safe end up contributing better towards, uh, towards team outcomes. Yeah. Um, so I think those are the two cases for, for me, the human case and the business case, I guess. I love that you're bringing up a topic about or to- bringing up the topic regarding psychological safety, because it's it's a critical element that is needed to boost diversity and inclusion, but it's often missed and it's often being taken for granted. So thank you for, yeah. for highlighting that. I know that a, a few weeks ago, I think that you also shared a topic or shared a post regarding psychological safety and I cannot be a, this cannot be highlighted or emphasized enough that if you don't provide that safety yet you're you are installing uh dei training dei programs even ergs and people don't feel that safe nothing will happen yet again people are walking away your turnover uh, will spike of course and people won't enter the company so make sure that everybody is aligned when it comes to psychological safety, but also understand what it means to be psychological safe. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Karen. Yeah, uh, going a bit in the similar direction as Johnny mm-hmm. before, I think just from a business point of view, for me, in the end, it comes down to the company performance mm-hmm. because that's really what we're looking for within the organizations. And in order to get the best performances out of the human workforce, we need to be able for them to, as uh, Johnny said, you know, within the safe spaces, they need to feel respected. They really need to be valued because if they are able to, you know, um, have that, then they will be more engaged. They will mm-hmm. be um, more productive. With being more productive, um, they're going to to stay within the environment. So as you mentioned, Vivian, employee retention, you're going to get the best talent. So for me, it's all a bit of a chain reaction. Um, once you've truly humanized the workforce and ensured that you understand that every human has different needs yep. and you really... Um, provide for those needs as best as possible within the organization and within the work and the product and the, what you're doing, um, I think then you've got a really good chance to to um, get this right and to um, foster the inclusion. Yeah, and also knowing that a lot of people are using the figures from, let's say, for instance, I know that Indeed has a workplace happiness index or a score where people can share, you know, what mm-hmm. what is it when it comes to belonging, right? What is it when it comes to inclusion, where they can see how people that have left the company are valuing that organization. And let's say mm-hmm. if your score is, let's say, not a positive score, 
that will also hinder new talent from applying to your company. Know that different platforms are asking about the belonging, you know, uh, uh, fact or figure. They are asking about how would you rate this company when it comes to inclusion? How would you rate this company when it comes to psychological safety? Even though it's one individual, if multiple individuals are sharing a similar number or a lower rate, it yeah. does something to your company. So be aware of that as well. Thank you. And yeah. 2022 was, let's say we are getting out of this whole tango regarding the COVID situation. I'm still a little bit, you know, a little bit, um, how do you say it? A little bit careful, but yeah. it seems like business is going back to normal. And one of the things that, I would say that is a positive thing is companies embracing uh, flexibility more often. Companies seeing that remote working is working. What is it for you, Karen? For me, it's um, for me, it's a couple of different things that I've experienced within my small small bubble mm -hmm. that I've been working in this year. And I think one of the things that I can say from 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 my point of view, what I really liked is number one, it's still very high on the radar of the organizations. I think that's a good thing because mm -hmm. I think after 2022, and I still have these conversations where is it, you know, is it just a hot topic at the moment or is it going to be something sustainable and we're going to get it more systematic, more standardized to really include it within a business strategy and take it out of a niche where it is still in some countries or in some organizations. So for me, that is a really good, uh, good starting point. What I like to see is also, um, for me personally, that we are starting to move away within the conversations from just the plain genders, but more focusing on the intersectionalities. That's one of the, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got the awesome card. Yes, <laughs> nice. I think you, you, you just, you know, you touched on a point that is basically my everything. Intersectionality is something that is totally missed, but I don't want to stop you. Continue. Please continue. No, I mean, and to be honest, you know, like I'm based in Switzerland. I have to mm -hmm. be on, like, you know, we're at baby steps. Everyone who knows a little bit about Switzerland knows we're not the forefront runner on uh, inclusion and belonging. But you can see a shift around this because I think, you know, everything, every data analyst that you do, any survey that you do, it needs to focus on all the intersectionalities because, mm -hmm. you know, we're not just a female or a male or, you know, like there's so much more to come with. And I think that makes makes a real difference if we take this into, uh, into accountants in order to ensure that we're really being more equitable for everyone, which for me is what inclusion and belonging is about. And that's already speaking from a point of privilege, being a white woman, and still I am considered a minority in other ranking, and then I'm also a parent. So I think it's, yeah, for me, that's one of the really good things from 2022. I mm -hmm. like that shift a lot. I think yeah. it's hugely important. I do have to add a no, because Karen is selling herself short. She's a white woman <laughs> with, uh, with uh, biracial kids. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, I have talked with her about moving the needle and she really wants to move the needle for her kids because that, that's something that we have, I have in common with Karen is that my son is also biracial, right? And also when it comes to 
the intersectionality part. Unfortunately, we are not showing similar, you know, um, uh, the way that the U.S. is showing DEI data. We mm -hmm. are, unfortunately, don't have that. Uh, mm -hmm. But yet there are ways to go around GDPR and there are ways to be um, GDPR consent, ask the consent for people so that they share more about themselves so that we have more data. So at the moment right now, what we are seeing, for instance, is that when it comes to gender and I'm, I'm saying gender with a quote, when it comes to women diversity, they are seeing an uplift when it comes to women in represent uh, women in you know representation in in leadership but then when you dig a little bit further or when you look at the linkedin pages for example and you see who are the women that are advancing well they don't look like me they don't look like you know a woman of color and they don't look like uh the different you know the different areas when you look into the diversity layers so mm -hmm. i'm just I'm just sharing that we need to dig a little deeper, mm -hmm. add mm -hmm. more labels so that mm -hmm. we can show, we can fix what needs to be fixed, right? That's mm -hmm. all I'm saying. Johnny, yeah. thank you, Karen, by I, the way. Sure. Yeah, really interesting, uh, particularly around, um, I mean, what we said before about safety and also intersectionality. Mm -hmm. um, I I think for me, a lot of it comes, comes back to, um, you know, safety. I, th I think when people within the relationships that they have at work, when they feel safety in that context, that's where creativity can actually come to the fore. That's when team performance starts really happening. So I think, you know, I, I train a lot of leaders and one of the things I, I really try and help them do is to create that safety within their teams. Now, a big part of creating that safety, I feel, is, is understanding, is the intersectionality so is understanding the experience of that that individual and that's quite difficult because there's challenges around that you know you don't want to be um burdening the person with uh the need to educate you right you've also got to do your own work um but i think really trying to get yeah i got the awesome card happy days yes <laughs> 14 minutes in happy days um, <laughs> No, it shouldn't be tea like that. I'm sharing the awesome card whenever I yeah, want. And no. you said something that was really valuable. <laughs> do the work. Do your homework, yeah. people. Please do your homework. That's it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. No. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, and I and I think a big part is you know currently we address things with like unconscious bias training. You know, yeah. and I'm quite critical of that because I don't feel that like then like addressing our unconscious biases and how they can how they can harm others or stop us from seeing what um what we need to i don't think that can be done within just one workshop no the 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 work of addressing our unconscious biases and our unconscious beliefs is is something that is you know it's it's a life lifetime of work um so one thing i'd really love to see is is much more of a focus on helping people uh, you know, loosen the shackles of of those of those those beliefs, those unconscious biases. Mm -hmm. And I think when they do that, that really can open up the perspective to really empathize with other people's experiences, really get underneath that intersectionality and say, okay, based on this person's intersectional identity or marginal identity and the identity that they hold, um, 
how can I create safety for them? What does the experience of safety look like? What does it feel like? And be confident going into that conversation. Yeah. I, I, I think that's what I'd love to see moving forward. I am totally there with you. And I even have, you know, I wouldn't say the solution. In my mind, it is the solution. <laughs> but you shared something about people not really experiencing how it feels when it comes to the unconscious bias, but also uh, that they, you know, activate empathy, that they can walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. And one of the things that I'm so um, happy about, but also positive about is I'm doing virtual re-art, the virtual training by letting people experience what it means to deal with isms, by letting people experience what it means to be uttered. And the way that they are going through this process is they are the person or they are a bystander, but either way, they are seeing things from a different perspective where they are walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. And the, um, the amount of learning that people have done, but also the, um, you know, when people say, when people talk about why didn't you say something or why didn't you speak up or mm -hmm. why didn't you do this and this and that when they, you know, afterward they heard, they hear something about something bad or something negative. And people don't realize that the freeze fight or flight method is activated when you are going through something traumatic or when you're dealing with the fact that if I say something, that means that my manager who has more power can, you know, fire me or can harm me in certain ways, right? We also have to realize that there is power in place. But what if you could experience that without the trauma, but still experience that and your brain will see it as this is happening to you or this is happening to a loved one or this is happening, you know, within your team and you experiencing things from a different perspective where you are seeing things from a different perspective and people you know people that we have done the training especially leadership that we have done the training with they are still shocked but it also mm. has opened their eyes because i wouldn't say that their glasses were you know were dirty but it has opened their eyes and shifted their their um, way of thinking into mm -hmm. what can i do to elevate the conversation and now I realize that even though I, you know, my intentions were good, I realized the harm that I did. One, so many people shared share that as well, that they realize how they are damaging their team or they realize how they are damaging the culture. And that for me is the best way to start and then continue yeah. on with, you know, all the, all the other training as well, because uh, there, there is a wall, a barrier that is holding people back into diving in and owning up, owning up what it is that they need to own up when it comes to mitigating bias. Yeah. I see, I see uh, a heart and I had to go on LinkedIn <laughs> to find out who was sharing this. So Cinnamon Clark, apparently you are anonymous, but I'm, I'm not making you anonymous anymore. And she's also <laughs> sharing uh, my son is my why, and we have that in common. My art, yeah, our children are our why, right? So we have that in common as well. And Gladys is sharing great what you do in life needs support, needs to support your why. Yes, everything. That's everything. So coming back to the question, are what's the bad? 
The what, sorry? The bad. B-A-D. You go first this time, Johnny. I have a guest sure. who's coming. <laughs> is he, how old is he? <laughs> well, he's nine. And he has reached the point where he is stalling. So continue. Continue. He might come in. Okay. We'd love to see him. <laughs> he's coming. <laughs> Hi, Hello. Orlando. This is Orlando. Hi, Orlando. Hey, Orlando. Nice to meet you. He How are you? Hear you? Ah, because we have a headset on. That's right. Oh, How yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's just waving. He's sharing good. good. Yeah. Super. Amazing. Super. I you love ready? your hoodie. <laughs> I think your hoodie look. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say goodbye because it's bedtime for him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes, yes. He's your why. He's oh, definitely from day one. He is my why. So definitely, he is my why. And I want to change the world. I want to change this for him and also for all the other kids that are from the same generation as well. So yes, but Beautiful. we are going back to the bad. What's what? What is something that you would? define as a bad and know that the ugly is also coming right so just yes. <laughs> what would you define as the bad mm, the bad so i'm seeing i think we talked about intentions earlier actually mm, and yeah I'm, I'm still seeing a lot in in the kind of area that i'm in in germany there's a lot of sort of tick box exercise mm -hmm. dni going on yeah. um which which I think is kind of problematic um, for for a number of reasons. Again, I'm I'm very interested in the in individual experience of work, and I know that sometimes when um, someone from a certain identity, uh, you know, is part of a marginalized identity, then joins a company where there's no work kind of being done, just even getting up and going to work every day can be such a challenge because yeah. you're not seen for who you are, right? So we can forget about safety. We can forget about creativity. We can forget about performance if that is the case. Forget about um, the revenue that the company could make. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, and maybe that's another that's another really good point too. I think that's there's still a bit of judgment, and people don't really see the connection between DE and I and uh, creative work or or in, you know innovation. They don't mm -hmm. they don't see that you know, this is the work of humanity. This is what we're doing here. And it can really directly impact results. I think there was a study from McKinsey, which actually showed that, um, uh, I think 30%, uh, diverse companies perform, outperformed the market by 36%. There was 36% mm -hmm. more profitable. Um, so the research is there. Um, so I think really that part is just about, um, yeah, addressing some of the resistance and, uh, you know, going from tick box to real systemic change. Yeah. That's what it is for I me. Would, I would, uh, I'd, I, while you were talking, I was thinking about, okay, people want a business case, right? And there are so many business cases, <laughs> but one of the thing that while you were talking, I was reminded of Rihanna. Rihanna did not only set up one company, she set up two brands, Fenty and Savage by uh, Fenty Savage or Savage by Fenty. People forgive me. I'm not a Rihanna stan. I'm more a Beyonce <laughs> lady, but still Rihanna, Rihanna set up two companies and those two companies were targeting diversity, 
intersectionality and diversity, where Rihanna is always challenging herself into adding different lenses. In the past, people would say, or brands would say, like, makeup is not for, you know, women of color. They are not earning and they are not doing this. Mm -hmm. Rihanna created 50 shades of color where every, you know, every skin color, every skin tone has representation. Up to this day, the only representation or one of the few brands that is representing in the Netherlands is MAC. I hope that Rihanna comes here as well. This is not a promotion for Rihanna, by the way, but it's all about <laughs> who are you leaving behind? And there is an, there, uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up, because if you are not including people from different lenses, from different backgrounds, then you're missing out on money. Then you're missing out on potential clients. Then you're missing out on inf- innovation. Then you're missing out on creativity. So besides, let, let's leave out that Rihanna is a famous pop star and, and she's a singer, but also look into her business, the businesses that she created. Whilst Victoria's Secret was very excluding, is what's only for a certain size. And Rihanna is bringing out lingerie uh, fashion in different sizes and portraying how the world is and how it should be where they are creating, you know, amazing fashion that even, you know, everybody feels woman or man or everybody feels their, their, their true mm-hmm. self. They are portrayed in a way that they can identify with somebody that Rihanna is, is uh, showing. And I'm still missing that. I would say, think like Rihanna. Think more like Rihanna. That's what I would say. Karen. I like that. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, coming coming from, from businesses, corporate businesses, in, in uh, my past experiences um, within the luxury and the sport industry, it's still baffling me a little bit because it's so logic and I don't want to harm anyone and saying, mm-hmm. you know, like no one, we're, we're all very smart people, but it's like, as you just described, I mean, it's very, very logic, also from a revenue point of view. And yet, because of certain privileges, um, people in power not wanting to to remove that power or mm-hmm. shift it. Um, we're moving a lot more slow than we should be yeah. um, in in any area. I think um, uh, not just from from a, a money point of view, but you know, uh, mainly also from a people point of view. And that um, on top of what Johnny said with the box taking, that was on my list as well. And yeah. you know, like the lack of resources really. Um, a strategic diversity approach and not just we do a little bit here we do a little bit here on international women's day we get a speaker but really understand you know do a needs assessment um then start building your team make sure that you've got the experts that you've got diverse experts so that you understand you know that you're not missing them you're not talking about someone without including them i think so all these points together i think for me it's like it's just a bit the bad for me really would be that the progress is still too slow for me yeah and i'm I, not a very patient person yeah. really not um so that doesn't help but it's like you know the business case, uh, everything is clear. Everything is there. The data is there, everything. But if we're just like, again, obviously, because I'm female, a bit more on the gender parity side. Now with COVID, we've lost another generation. The numbers vary between 132 years and two generations. It all depends on which which uh, data you, have, you look at. And it's just, 
um, this year was a bit like for me, you know, I want to celebrate the small wins and I know we're making progress, but it's sometimes a little frustrating how slow it is still, even though we know. So, yes, I'm super excited that the European Union now said we need 40% female board members uh, by 2026, but... I'm 2022, that's four years. And by then, we're still missing 10% of what we are in real life. And again, not even mentioning intersectionality, because if we yeah. go into that, the 40% we can take out of the window. And it's just, that's a bit, that's a bit my bet. I just struggle with understanding why it doesn't come out of the niche and into the business strategy, why it's so mm -hmm. clear. Yeah. I am I'm just gonna say that, you know, with 2022 I I've I've seen businesses making commitments on paper 2020 mm -hmm. after George Floyd died we have noticed that we are you know we should do things the year later yeah we are still doing it and now two years mm -hmm. later I'm looking at where are all the commitments I know also I I understand that companies are dealing with more challenges right because one of the mm -hmm. the bad things that happened was Russia um mm -hmm. Uh, activating a war upon Ukraine, which, you know, also displayed, um, let's say, favoritism uh, mm -hmm. in certain ways. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say that the Ukrainian uh, refugees don't deserve it. I am going to say, I am going to share that let's treat refugees as refugees and not, you know, not favoritize people that you resemble just because you can identify yourself with them, right? I'm just opening up the gate. Treat refugees as all refugees as the same and also open up your hearts because it's not easy to uproot yourself and walk away from everything that you love and everything that you uh, that you have known for all the years just because it's a war, just because it's unsafe. So uh, also to that point... Um, walk a mile in their shoes and I know that you will hate it because doing that it's terrible what I'm seeing in Iran is totally bad um, they are now slaughtering people live on television um, I recently saw a mother crying out for Europe or crying out for Western society to stand up and that broke my heart that that really it breaks my heart to see another woman crying, you know, for her child, just because he was speaking up against the government of, of activating inhuman uh, treatment to their citizens, right? So I, I really hope it with all my heart that something changes within, within Iran, something changes within the people, and something changes within their politics, because we are not tolerating this anymore. So that's uh, that's my take on it. Yeah. 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 Really, and I absolutely sorry, agree. go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Johnny. And also, you know, inflation. I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that are also, you know, like from a company point of view are after COVID. I think it's been also yeah. quite challenging three years now throughout in various mm -hmm. areas. Yeah. Yet, I just think those two things cannot be mixed too much. I think it's still yeah. a lot of times a little bit of an excuse because, you know, if you, and I mean, you know this, uh, Vivian, the most out of three, I was three probably, if you do the EDI work real, it's going to cause yeah. pain. It's not mm -hmm. an easy, it's not an easy process. You know, you, 
so I just think a lot of people are also organizations and, and leaders are not too keen. And if something comes up, um, it's quite easy to, to leave this for another year. It's quite easy also to leave this for another year. But then again, legal risk, you know, mm -hmm. the costs related to legal risk and and all the other things. Right. The fact that uh, the government has now shared, you know, uh, the government, the Dutch government has shared about mm -hmm. the racism part. It's opening mm -hmm. up more mm -hmm. gates about let's look at our company is our company like that mm -hmm. i only hope that from all this research because we love researching right we love sharing commitments i hope that people are taking action that people really mm -hmm. can see well we need to change or else within 10 years if they don't do anything within 10 years i don't feel safe to highlight you know to other people saying that should you if they ask me should i work there i would say run I would say run. That's it. Johnny, you were you wanted to say something as well. Yeah, I think I think it's I, I think it's a very interesting time. I think it's important to look at it, you know, at this work from the lens of the time that we are going through. Yeah. And there is we are under extreme at least extreme stress and uncertainty, more so than in, in, in the in the past years. And I think that does have an impact on um how able we are to change um and this is the business of change you know da and i and i think like you know if you think about it from an individual perspective you know if you're going through extreme uncertainty and your life's sort of going up you end up falling falling back on those old habits and coping mechanisms and i think that's the same for organizations mm -hmm. just scaled up it's the same thing and i think what you're seeing right now and this is probably part of the bad as well is that um you know a lot of layoffs are happening and yeah. often it happens to the more junior levels in the organization. They keep people who are more senior. But often there's a trend with a lot of organizations where you see that um, the the level of diversity in terms of identities and so on and backgrounds, um, it sort of decreases the further you go up the organization. So in turn, then layoffs disproportionately impact um, the the most marginalized people and i think yeah. i think that's a problem that we're going to have to pick up again when things when the economy starts to pick up again we're going to have to undo all of that as well yeah. um you know and I, and i hope i hope we can learn from that going forward um, so and also people will coming. remember you know the, the the famous quote from maya angelou people will not remember what you said or not remember what you do they will remember how you made them feel and mm -hmm. at the moment right now in the netherlands they a lot of students who used to work uh in the um travel industry and also in the hospitality industry where they're saying like i'm not coming back the way they treated me and the way they paid and also when it comes to uh, the pay, when it comes to inclusion, they have seen that there are different ways or start up their own companies or set up something else where they are uh, being valued better. So I would say also take that back into the corporate domain, right? If mm -hmm. your company is leaking talent and talents are not coming in, what does that mean to you for your future, right? Mm -hmm. And looking also at this year and next year, 
I understand that because of the inflation, because of the challenges, and also because of the energy, uh, a whole, you know, the energy price, which I'm also feeling, by the way, I have my extra, extra <laughs> thick, extra thick sweater. <laughs> <laughs> now the price is real in the Netherlands. It's very hefty. So I have to be, you know, I have to be uh, flexible <laughs> regarding that. But anyway, I'm deflecting. I understand that there are financial challenges. However, Think about when your company is dealing with a lot of exclusion, you're hurting in a way. You're hurting in your turnover. You're hurting in moving the needle when it comes to innovation, when it comes to uh, holding on to your client, when it comes to people coming in, right? You're hurting in that way. So think about how can you move your dream forward without with less people, and less people and people getting more sick turning burned out because they are dealing they have to do so many things without you know the extra support think about that as well mm-hmm. and don't would, freeze your maybe... budgets don't freeze your dni yeah, just... budgets <laughs> yeah yeah lock them in a safe somewhere and we'll use them later. exactly um, exactly oh sorry yeah. yeah you wanted to say something yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a really good point that you mentioned about innovation. Like if we look at the layoffs that are disproportionately impacting, um, you know, let's say diverse groups of people. Yeah. Um, you're you're also cutting cutting your your pool for creativity. Yeah. You know, it, the research is there, as we've said, it's it shows that diverse organizations outperform the market. So if you're actually reducing the level of diversity within your organization, how's that impacting your creativity? How's that impacting innovation and how's it impacting results yeah. you know um so so yeah i think i think that's just a huge reflection that companies should take mm-hmm. back and say you know as you said who's being left behind yeah and also when you were talking about you know all the layoffs i mean one lesson that we all should learn from layoffs is how not to lay off people and mm. other valuable lesson that we learned from stripe how we should treat people, how we should, even though we have to fire them and own up to uh, the CEO's mistakes or own up to the co-founder's mistakes, they are at least setting up people for more success by providing uh, health insurance at least, I think, four months after they are fired or six months after they are fired, right? And also helping them with job coaches and so many other things that this is the way to set up for people for success. I think the other company has had enough news coverage that I don't want to even address it. If you want to look into how to lay off and lay off people in a human way, Google Stripe, uh, lay off letter and see what, what is being said there so that you can use that as an example to treat people in a human way. I know, you know, I know losing people uh, or saying goodbye to them is not easy, but at least you can soften the landing. And I think you have to, I think that's your obligation as a leader as well, if you if you're leading people, and I think you've touched on a really important point, which at least I see coming, it's, it's getting in the right direction, mm-hmm. leave some some leaders out, but yeah. um, it's the human skills. Yeah, I think, I mean, everything, you know, has its reasoning, but how you 
communicate something, your language, your empathy, your kindness, uh, your, your preparation, all these things, I think, makes a real big difference. And I think sure. this is, um, luckily, I have the feeling this conversation is getting getting more traction, also because leaders are opening up more about their own path, um, which with a lot of reach, um, saying, mm -hmm. you know, this was my journey, or I, yeah. for example, and I don't want to make um, a promotion for him, but, you know, the diary of the CEO, um, in the UK, which is quite uh, quite a successful podcast by now, mm -hmm. and the way the conversations are going with with leaders in in different areas, entertainment, political, comedian, um, it's it's very interesting how going into the humanizing, as, mm -hmm. as you rightly say, um, in all areas of life, really makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. We need more human leaders. We need leaders that show vulnerability, that are courageous, that own yeah. up to their mistakes. And I know it's 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 weird that we want to become the best of the best, but even creating a light bulb means that you have to fail at least 99 times. Mm -hmm. Even when creating a product, with some products is you are failing the value is do you are you applying growth mindset but yet again we are punishing people when they are making a mistake which could mm -hmm. be a valuable lesson but we are not applying a growth mindset whereas Orlando he already called his parents out at, four, at the age of four uh in a conversation when I was talking to his dad or my partner he was just mm -hmm. like, that's a fixed mindset. So if a four-year-old can call out a fixed mindset, there's so much hope there for us mm -hmm. to activate growth mindset and do better and do better. Because we yeah. need to, we need to stop, we need to stop punishing mistakes that could be valuable lessons as well. Yeah. I want to share, I know that this is Jennifer Douglas, and she is sharing true, so true reflection and intentionality are key. So the ugly, and we are going to skip the, the, the bluebird because that's not, I mean, that's the ugliest of the ugliest, but it has already had a lot of attention already. So I'm going to skip that one. Um, what was ugly Karen. for you, Karen? Uh, for me, one of the ugliest is uh, tokenism. Mm. Mm. Um, around EDI. Um, mm. One of my uh, favorite moments was the International Women's Day actually this year, yeah. where UK app, I forgot the name, forgive me, basically they had something coded and programmed that every time a UK company, a based company, was giving giving out their, you know, we love the female co-workers and so on, um, they were going in the gender pay gap below that tweet and it went viral everywhere and it was so interesting to see on the reaction and for me very similar this year I thought it was for me personally since I'm within the area which is now since 2016 it's got to be the worst pride months as well this year I mean that got out of control for me in June I think Burger King, Burger, I mean, I saw everything. And I mean, just now over the weekend, there was something again where, where there was a portrayal, you know, all the companies who are the sponsoring the FIFA FIFA World Cup. Yeah. And then yeah. what they did in June for Pride. Yeah. And then with the host nation and everything. And it's just, that's, um, and for that, social media is good because you get called out for that for now. But yeah. I think there for me, the companies, you know, you've, you've got to do the work. 
I think you need to communicate. You can communicate. I think you can even use it as marketing to, to get attract talents and so on, but not if you've not done your work before. I think otherwise mm -hmm. you're completely losing all credibility and to regain that is very challenging. Yeah. So tokenism for me. I would yeah. say I would agree with that because especially the the one with the brands where brands were being shown, you know, the Pride brands and the FIFA brand, but this the whole thing regarding FIFA. I do have to <laughs> say kudos to um, uh, to Morocco though because they are representing whole Africa, and yeah. and the other thing that they are representing is a lot of these football players. Yeah, I wasn't supposed to talk about football, but I I need to address something though. <laughs> And that is the power of behind Moroccan players, especially when they have been outcasted or they have been put aside as people who don't do anything. Also, people put aside as being bad, as being you're not worth it. And they, we, a lot of people, people of color, have heard one of these sentences. And the fact that they are, um, they are activating their superpower, right? So I hope that they win. In my in my case, I would say they have to win because they are the underdog that deserve to win because they are not only winning for themselves, they are highlighting... Um, you must have seen the images where the football players are bringing their moms on the yeah, that was field. Cool. And that, that, to me, it shows this is how the workplace should be. Mm -hmm. where you're honoring the older generation, but also embracing the younger generation and you are collaborating together mm -hmm. and amplifying that. That's that's it. Yeah. It's your fault. Now I'm talking about football. It's your fault, Karen. But anyway, I'm bringing it <laughs> right. right. to my household. That's, that's what we do a lot. Uh, yes. So, no, but it was more about the tokenism in this one. True, true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think... I think the point on generations is is super interesting, right? Um, you know, obviously there's a huge, huge, you know, Gen Z kind of coming into the workforce yeah. now, expecting completely different things from an organization than what um, you know millennials or whatever um, expected. I think also the tokenism is is another is another bad point as well. Um, I, I I think that the the issue is a lot of people don't know how to approach that. That's kind of the go-to option is, okay, let's hire this person, then show uh, how we've hired them and yeah. use that as a tool to recruit people into the company. Um, but the individual experience of that is extremely uncomfortable. And I can speak to that myself from my personal experience. Mm -hmm. um, I even made some some comedy videos about it, which I posted on my LinkedIn at one point. Mm -hmm. um, but but I think that really needs to that really needs to stop, um, and people need to know what tokenism is. Yeah. Um, another thing I see also, you know, speaking to your point, uh, Karen, is that there's, you know, again, if you're advertising for on Pride Month and then you're sponsoring the Qatar World Cup, like taking responsibility for that dissonance in terms of values, I think is a big part for organizations. I think they need to understand what that accountability means and um, and and choose how they're going to go because mm -hmm. I think people start to see through it, uh, and that that I think needs to be addressed as we move forward. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would also say is that again, 
when something happens in the organization where someone is actually harmed, because, you know, as humans, we're able to heal and harm. Um, if you're if you're trying to create a diverse workplace and someone does get harmed, how do you support them? How do you yeah. how are you accountable for your actions? Um, you know, I've I've been racially discriminated against in a company before. Um, and it was very clear to me after that happened, even though I followed every procedure and spoke up and all the rest of it, that they they weren't willing to take responsibility for what happened. Um, and and I, and I I hear that from a lot of companies mm -hmm. is that, you know, we say we are diverse and building in a belonging and, and so on. But the question is, when push comes to shove, can you act? Can you take action? Because your values aren't worth anything unless your behavior matches up to them. True. And no, most and of I the think, times people, yeah. when they speak up, they are labeled whistleblowers, right? And when you look at whistleblowers, it has a negative connotation, no matter in which country you are, where we yeah. are asking people to speak up. But then again, when they do, they are labeled as troublemakers or whistleblowers yeah. or whatever. And most of the time they disappear or they are asked to step down or they are leaving they're walking away and that's something that we need to wonder why always mm. ask ask when you're interviewing for a new job for instance who was there first who's the person can you have a conversation with that person how was how how did it feel and why did they walk away right Th these are valid questions that you could ask instead of masking them mm -hmm. I think particularly for marginalized identities as well. Yeah. Like for me, when I, you know, I would think to myself, if I'm going to apply for another company, I would want to know, will this be a safe environment where I'll exactly. be respected and valued for who I am exactly. and therefore be able to do challenging, you know, great work. And if yeah. not, if there's no proof of that, then, then I'm kind of going in the dark and I'll always be yeah. operating in a, in a space of fear because I'm not sure about how that's going to be. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I think that's a great point, making sure that, you know, you're showing what's happened in the past and how yeah. you've learned from it and how what you're doing now to address that. Exactly. Because we have LinkedIn right now. We have Google search. We can do our own investigation at the moment right now where you should utilize that because there's also always a why, unless the, the function is new, then, you know, there's nothing to be said there, but ask always ask if you can have a conversation with the previous person who left i think that's a valuable question that you could you should activate as well and uh we are almost at the end and i just want to say uh, i just want to say thank you we're not leaving yet but i also have to address my energy is different in the winter and i'm noticing that i'm you know it's a it was a busy day and i'm getting a little bit tired but i do want to address this uh, this question, and that is, what is your wish for 2025? I know that 2023 is knocking on the door, <laughs> but when it comes on, when it comes to humanizing the workplace and DEI, what do you wish to see in two years of now? Uh, Johnny. 
<laughs> Everybody's looking at me like I'd love Karen cool. to go first. If, <laughs> okay, if... Karen, that's fine. <laughs> I've done a couple of ones, but I'll try to keep it short so yeah. so that we can everyone can switch off whichever time zone they're in. <laughs> I think for me, one of the things I would like to see by 2025 that I'm still missing a little bit is a little more standardization. Mm. And I know there's no one fits all, but I have the feeling that at the moment, for people interested in these conversations, there's a lot of information and it's a lot of quantity and no one really knows where the quality and you know you have to mm. find out for yourself a little bit you can yeah. sometimes you know the programs the trainings everything that's going on so for me it's standardization for one mm -hmm. i think for me the edi responsibility really needs to remain within the leadership of an organization and not yeah. with the edi leads and the edi mm -hmm. teams i think that is for me um i know you know the more people also you can do bottom up, top bottom, but I think it needs to be, you know, the leaders need to be held responsible. And in general, for me, my 2025 wish on top is that EDI strategies are part of every foundation and business strategy of every yeah. organization. Yeah. And that's it. Whatever small or big and no quotas, it just needs to be part of the foundation. I think then we, we really have made a huge progress. I agree with the accountability and I've even seen, you know, certain companies in the US. I haven't seen it yet in uh in EMEA or in Europe that where mm -hmm. leaders are held responsible for uh people leaving, right? When it comes to uh diversity, equity and inclusion, they also have to own up and Mm -hmm. take ownership of their team culture and uh, regarding DEI I would like to see transparency I would like mm -hmm. to see okay I understand that you are taking certain steps but what steps have you done in the past what steps have you done this year mm -hmm. and what steps are you willing to make be transparent about that that's what I would like to see Johnny I would I would love that too. I think what comes to me now is just a kind of idea of like a radical accountability, you know, like mm. what, what did we do as an organization in the past? What mistakes mm -hmm. did we make? How do we is learn that from radical then, though? I don't see that as radical. Like, well, I, I think it is compared to this, what the status quo is of organizations right now. Okay. Right now okay. It's just when the, you compare it. Yes. When you compare <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we want our leaders to do it, our organizations to do it too. And that's how I see it. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, really, really trying to take accountability for that and show mm -hmm. the mistakes you've made and how you've learned from them. I think for me, naturally, you know, as a coach, I help people do a lot of inner work. Um, I think that's also fundamental to D&I progressing as 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 an area, as a discipline, I think DNI is like a little seed and we'll realize how big it is when it starts to change how we organize as a, as a whole um, for creativity, for people to feel safe and for humanity. And that will bring performance. Um, so I want people, I want it to kind of involve more inner work where people mm -hmm. can address their own beliefs. They yeah. can see the lens that, that, um, that they have on the world and reality. And look and look at that from the outside and try to deconstruct it and see okay how's this holding me back yeah. um you know and then move moving through it that way i think that is a big big uh point of leverage for d and i generally is doing more inner work as well yeah mm -hmm. i i agree and i would like to add on the following is that i want both sides of the party to to 
approach each other with grace by understanding that the other party needs to learn and understand also that the other party is hurting. But mm -hmm. when we approach each other with grace and with openness and have a conversation, sometimes I hear, you know, DEI, let's have a DEI discussion or let's have a DEI debate. No, conversation. Let's mm -hmm. talk about, we understand that not everybody's going to agree with what's being shared, but let's let's agree to disagree and have a conversation about what's important for me. I listen to what's important for you. And then we we see if we can meet each other, you know, in the middle. If not, that's also fine. But let's yeah. embrace embrace each other because you know what's I'm bringing it back to the FIFA. What's happening, you know, with this whole one love band, which which I love, by the way. Uh, but yet again, we are putting Western society upon, you know, the Middle Eastern and the African culture that has a different culture and different upbringing. Mm. But on the other hand, we are saying we want you to be yourself. We want you to bring your whole self. But if your whole self doesn't include that your culture and your country doesn't is not where we in the Western society we see as normal. We should not be able to condemn them. They just have different cultural, different beliefs. What we should do is activate our cultural intelligence, learn from each other so that we are more aware about what's normal in other countries instead of copy pasting and thinking that the Western society or the Western way is the best way. No, it isn't. No, it's it isn't because I know that my mom or my parents will say, <laughs> you might be born here in the Netherlands, but you're Ghanaian and this is the way that we do it here. That's it, period. That's it. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> <laughs> so one final thing I see Angela sharing. So Angela, thank you for joining in. Thank you for the presentation today. It was a conversation, but thank you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I have a training this week with my organization. I would like the two ideas that I don't touch on, which is tokenism and psychological safety. Please begin with psychological safety because without that, you can address tokenism, but psychological safety is vital. It's a must-have. So thank you also, Karen and Johnny, for speaking up about that topic. This is what this is my uh, this is my what i'm walking away with again so thank you thank you for sharing that and also thank you for everybody who has been watching or is re-watching the the watching the replay this year has been a inspiring year has been an interesting year as well and i'm hoping that next year will be better that next year we will evolve and reflect to do better what we need to leave behind but also what we should be activating more and thank you johnny thank you karen i hope that you stay after i ended the show so that we can have a, an after chat yeah. but for everybody else um i wish you and i know i'm a bit early but i need to say this now i wish you a, a happy new year happy merry christmas as well happy festivities and please reflect upon the lessons learned that you learned this year for yourself do that every month but especially this month because i know that you have um, you have made some major milestones. It might seem small to you, but for some people, for other people, you have made major milestones. So please reflect, take that moment to reflect, write it down, write it on LinkedIn, 
and uh, or share it with other people as well so that we look back because that's very important to look back as well. So yes, <laughs> Angela is saying conversation. Angela, don't mind me. I'm just being petty. I'm just being petty. <laughs> and, and I don't know who this is, but thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining here. And until next year, bye everybody. Thank you. Bye everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye.